0: All right, we are on week two of our series that we just started called Spirit and Truth When the Mystical Meets the Logical. And so uh, we have a slide, but it's frozen. There it is, Spirit and Truth When the Mystical Meets the Logical. And basically what we're talking about is dealing with kind of two separate uh, veins of Christianity. You know, you've got the the Holy Spirit's just kind of floating in the breeze type of Christians. And I got introduced to Christianity through miraculous things. And so uh, that's, of course, the direction I went, because they were the only people who didn't think I was crazy. So that was nice. Uh, but one of the church, the church I started going to as a newish, new believer in my 20s, um, I went to a, a very a uh, very Pentecostal, independent church. And you know how we've got, we've got music, and some people think it's loud and boisterous and that sort of thing, but this is very, very, very tame. Uh, when we would have church, this was a country gospel, Pentecostal country gospel church. So, I mean, they'd play country gospel, and the place would explode, you know, I mean, there's people running around the outside of the building. There's people on the floor, you know, and it's just like mayhem. And it was it was nice because you know how people can, especially up north, they're self-conscious. You know, like, well, I... I might want to raise my hand, but what if somebody sees me? Well, no one would see you doing anything in that place because it's just going crazy, you know? Uh, yeah, it was, I enjoyed it tremendously. It didn't scare me. But then I realized that a lot of people are scared of that sort of thing. They're uncomfortable. They don't, you know, like, what's that person doing on the floor? You know, and they, they are distracted from being able to worship God and connect with the truths of God and that sort of a thing. And uh, so that's kind of my uh, early years. And then there's people who, you know, that, that are very prim and proper and very logical and they're, well, this is what you do and we've got Good Friday coming up and, you know, and we're going to light this candle and that sort of stuff. And, and, uh, and they say God is good all the day. They have the things they say to each other and that sort of stuff. And, and that's cool. You know, and there's the logical part, the just the truth, straightforward stuff. And the reality is, is that we are to embrace Parts of both of those, the good parts of both of those, we're to embrace. And so we're doing a series based on John 4, 23 and 24, which says this. Jesus is talking to the Samaritan woman at the well. And he says, yet a time is coming and has now come. So has this time come? And much more so now than back then, because Jesus was just introducing the concept to this Samaritan woman. And it hadn't fully taken hold, but now this time has fully taken hold. A time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. I think we can just leave that one. That this is sufficient right here. They are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. So we are to worship in spirit and in truth, not just in spirit, and forgetting the truth, and not just in truth, but forgetting the spirit, and certainly not missing both of them, but worshiping in spirit and in truth. And here's the thing, one of the things we talked about last week, we'll do a short recap time, uh, is that the Father seeks worshipers. A worship relationship with God is not exactly the same as a believing relationship with God. Believing that God exists isn't necessarily as deep a relationship as worshiping that God which exists. And so for the believer, I call you into a worship relationship with God. Not just an acknowledging of the existence of, not just an appreciation of eternal life, And trying to make sure we do the checklist so we get in. But a relationship where we are in awe of the living God. And it's a worship relationship. The Father seeks worshipers. And it is the right relationship between us and God. Because we are people. And God is God. And so our relationship should be a worship relationship. Not a peer relationship, not, a, not too casual, but not a fear relationship. A worship relationship with God. The Father seeks worshipers, worshipers that will worship in spirit and in truth. I've got two goals for this series. Goal number one is for each of us to receive the fullness of the new life in Christ rather than settle for a one-dimensional faith. To not just have a piece of the puzzle but to have the fullness of what God has for us. I've seen people who are, they're good at Holy spirit things, but the men are not good at truth things. And so their life starts to fall apart. They're hindered. I've seen people who are really good at truth things. They're not so good at Holy spirit things and they don't have access to the power of God in the same way. So there are things that are missing. And so we want to have the fullness of the relationship with God that we can have, not just a one-dimensional faith. And then goal number two is for each of us to embrace the God-ordained differences between individual people and between groups of people. One of the things that's unfortunate is the, you know, kind of the Holy Spirit people and the straight-laced good Christians are kind of nervous about each other. You know, they can be concerned about, oh no, you know, that person's odd and, and that sort of a deal. And what I want us to do is to be able to embrace those differences because we don't all have the same giftings. We aren't all going to operate in the same ways. And so there are people whose who God's plan for them is to lean more one way or the other, but not to reject the other. So lean the way God's called you to lean, but have an appreciation for everyone else who's walking in a biblical way. So those are my goals. And happy for you, you get to be here this week when we talk about the negative side of spirit and truth. All right, so the topic, the title of today's sermon is Hypocrites and False Prophets. Oh boy. All right, so let's pray and we'll get into this very edifying stuff. All right, Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity uh, we have in this great country to read your word and just to talk straightforwardly about it without any fear. Lord, thank you for the freedoms we have. Help us to make the most of them, Lord. And uh, Father, I pray that you would bless our time this morning as each one of us is going through different things and we're fighting different parts of the battle. And uh, we need just a different touch from you. And so, Lord, I pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would touch each one of us with exactly what we need this morning so that we can believe in you better, so that we can serve you more effectively, so that we can grow in our trust of you, and so, Lord, we can receive good things from you more and more. So, Lord, bless our time. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So, if we are going to worship in Spirit, last week we talked about two types of worshiping in spirit. There's the fruits of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. If we're going to worship in truth, there's Two boxes in the truth thing. There's the knowing of the truth and the doing of the truth, right? Those are different things. The fruits of the Spirit are different from the gifts of the Spirit. The knowing of the truth is different from the doing of the truth. And so if you would imagine in your mind a check boxes, yes and no check boxes, you check it, yes, you leave it blank for no, and you've got uh, gifts of the Spirit and fruit of the Spirit. So what are... Uh, the combinations that are possible. If you've got two boxes, there's four checkbox combinations that are possible. There's yes, 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 no, no, yes, and no, no. Right? All right, excellent. I like stuff like this. Like I'm happy when my, my, my age is a prime number. You know, it just makes me happy. I just lost that. You know, uh, my birthday just happened last month. I came off of a prime. Now I've got to wait like five, six years till my next prime. I'm kind of sad about that. This is a really rough time in my life, but uh, I like statistics. I like numbers. I just enjoy them. You know, I'd rather look at, uh, you know, uh, an interesting series of numbers than a bouquet of flowers or something. I mean, I just, you know, different people have different mentalities and I was kind of a, a geek that way. But, um, So if you follow me with this checkbox thing, I think it's going to be helpful because uh, let's first talk about um, truth. If we're going to worship in truth, then we want to check yes in both boxes. Yes, we know the truth, and yes, we do the truth. If we can check both boxes, we're on our way to disciple of Christ. Right? Check both boxes. Yes, I know. Yes, I do. But there are three other options. There's yes, I know. No, I don't do. No, I don't know. But yes, I do. Isn't that a bizarre one? And then no, I don't know. And no, I don't do. Let's look at the no, I don't know. But yes, I do. This is actually discussed in Romans chapter 2, where there are people who don't have the law, who do by nature things required by the law. And so let's read this very interesting passage in Romans chapter 2. All who sin apart from the law will also perish apart from the law. So Paul is saying there's people who are raised inside of the Jewish culture and those who are raised outside of the Jewish culture, and God will judge them both. All who sin under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not those who hear the law who are righteous in God's sight, but it is those who obey the law who will be declared righteous. For whatever reason, in modern Christianity, we've been fighting this verse for years and years because we want to disobey and be righteous. Who's righteous? The ones who obey or the ones who disobey? The ones who obey Let's just You have to do it. It's not those who hear the law who are righteous. It's not the ones who come to church and listen to Pastor Mike yell and scream about the different verses in the Bible. It's the ones who put those into practice who are going to be declared righteous. Verse 14. Indeed, when Gentiles, those are the ones who don't have the law, who do not have the law, do by nature things required by the law, they are a law for themselves, even though... They do not have the law since they show that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts. Their consciences also bearing witness and their thoughts now accusing now even defending them. So the thoughts of those who don't have the law can defend them. Isn't it unfortunate when unbelievers are better Christians than Christians are? Have you known people who do not profess Christ, but who are better people than Christians? This is essentially the background I came from. My parents are better Christians than most Christians. It put me in an awkward spot, because everybody's talking, "Well, we've got to get saved from the evil of the world, you know, And I walk into church and like, man you people are messed up. You know, the worldly people I know are a lot lot more put together than you are. And they're nicer to people. And they help more people. And so it was weird. Let me tell you, there are people. And, you know, there's in the Christian world, we can demonize people outside of the faith. But I tell you, and you know this. There are wonderful, beautiful, just fantastic people outside the faith. Let's help them in. You know, let's, help, let's not demonize them. Let's help them in. They're good people. They just need to take one of those O's out and be God people, right? <laughs> it's a cute one, right? That's a good. Somebody else told me that. It's not my deal. All right. Um. So, yes, yes, know and do, that's what we're going for. Don't know but still do, that's an interesting thing. There are people like that, and God will judge them appropriately. It's not my call. I don't know exactly how that's going to work out, Um, but that's up to God. I'm glad I don't have to make those decisions. Then there's, yes, I know, but no, I don't do. Because the no, I don't know, and no, I don't do, That's just kind of a sad state of affairs. That's why we do evangelism, is to bring the truth to people who don't know it so that we can show them the ways of God so that at least they get to choose whether they're going to follow the ways of God or reject the ways of God. That's why there's evangelism. But this category of yes, I know, but no, I don't do, is the one that causes a problem. Jesus has a word for this in Matthew 7, verse 26. We read this in our series the greatest sermon ever preached talking about the Sermon on the Mount. So this is at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says, but everyone who hears these words of mine. So this is echoes of what Paul was saying in Romans two people who have heard the teachings of Jesus, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. so, What do we call, according to the Bible, people who know the truth but don't do it? According to Jesus, that's foolish. Do you want to be a fool? I don't want to be a fool. I don't want to be foolish. If we know the truth and we don't do it, Jesus describes that as foolish. So for example... If I were, and I'm just going to make this super, super simple. If I were to read something in the Bible, you know, it's like the map of how we're to live our lives. That says, turn left at the intersection. And I was to say to myself, I know God says I should turn left. But I really feel like I should go right. I really feel like the way that everything looks, how it's set up. From the things I've learned in the past, I'd better turn right. But God says turn left. Would it make any sense for me to override what God said to make my own decision? Who's smarter, me or God? It's important to know God is smarter than you. God is smarter than me. So if He says turn left, I should turn left. It would be foolish. To turn right. So if Jesus says to Peter, when he says, how many times should I forgive someone when they sin against me? Up to seven times? And Jesus says, not seven times, but 70 times seven. Just keep forgiving them. Would it be foolish to say, oh yeah, three times. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. This is the third time I'm taking you out. Should we do what the Bible says or reject it? If we reject it, we're rejecting the counsel of God who sees things from a much broader perspective than we see. And so it's foolish to reject the truth of God. So if you check the yes, I know, but no, I don't do boxes, then that's described in the scriptures as foolish. And there's something even worse than that. And that is the people who are the, yes, I know, but no, I don't do. And then they're judgmental and negative towards other people. Now we slip from fool into hypocrite. That's a very unfortunate thing. How hard is it to spot a hypocrite? It's not too tough, is it? Let me ask you this question. How hard is it for a 14-year-old to spot a hypocrite? And they've got like special ability to see the thing you're not doing right. You know, what I mean, like they're skilled at finding You remember being a kid? There's a, I don't know why that is, but man, it, it's just there. It's easy to see a hypocrite. So if we add judgmental to no, but don't do, we become a hypocrite. And that's Matthew 23, one through four. If you've ever wondered, why did they want to kill Jesus? He's a nice guy. He's healing people. He's feeding masses of people. He's helping people. He's trying to uh, do good things all over the place. And then they want to kill him. Well, read Matthew 23. Uh, (laughs) It will help you understand. Matthew 23, starting in verse 1. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples. So Jesus is proclaiming this to the crowds. Publicly. In a very loud voice. Verse 2. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees. Sit in Moses seat. So you must obey them. And do everything they tell you. But do not do what they do. For they do not practice. What they preach. Verse 4. They tie up heavy loads. And put them on men's shoulders. But they themselves are not willing to lift a finger. To move them. So if you heard. Hey practice what you preach. That's from Jesus. (laughs) And he's. Pointing out the hypocrisy of the day where people were saying, uh, you know, where these Pharisees were saying, here's what you need to do, but they weren't doing it themselves. So they were in the, yes, I know, but no, I don't do. And I'm blaming you. I'm pointing the finger at you. I'm telling you all the things you need to do. And so that puts them in the hypocrite situation. And so read the rest of the chapter. You'll see the word hypocrite used a lot. The whole chapter is Jesus just chewing out the Pharisees and teachers of the law publicly. And you will no longer be surprised why they wanted to crucify him. So, (sighs) adding judgmental towards others. To Oh, yeah. Let's talk about tying up heavy loads. Bah. I wanna read the I wanna read the John thing. Can we do that? John eight, thirty one and thirty two? Going out of order. you don't know that unless I tell you. <laughs> yep, soup. That shouldn't do that. John John eight thirty one and thirty two. Tie up heavy loads. Which is easier to tell someone to forgive When there's been a great harm done or to actually forgive, which is harder. We get good at, Oh yeah, just forgive them. Just let it go. Well, how many people have fought that fight It might take you years. Most people don't get free to where they can forgive. They live their whole life in bitterness live their whole life formed and shaped by the sin of other people. And they never get free. And so, Oh yeah, just forgive them. Tie up heavy loads. You forgive that about your upbringing. You forgive those words that were said. You forgive that thing that was taken from you. Oh, just forgive it. That's a heavy load. And you just flippantly tell them. And then you get mad at them while they, when they, aren't through the process yet. It's tying up a heavy load, but not helping. You got to help people through that, right? Because it's hard. And you learn something when you try to do it. How many people have ran a marathon? I had like three or four last night. Oh man. Oh, the early, I knew the early group would have a higher percentage of marathon runners. (laughs) There you go, the 9 o'clock people, they're marathon types. You guys are the logical, you know, the Saturday night, they're the mystical, you know. Um, Can't get up in the morning, but man, we can flow in the spirit. But, all right. So here's the deal. Jesus says to the Jews who had believed him, so, oh, man, you're saying some good stuff. Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings, so now you've heard this and you like it, if you actually do it, You're really my disciples, not just talkers, but you're my disciples. Then you will know the the truth and the truth will set you free. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So is the truth something you learn from words? Like if I were to tell you mile 25 is a tough one in a marathon. It's a nice thing to hear. But what does it feel like? What do you need to do to survive mile 25? I don't know. I ran a half marathon. I know what mile 12 is like. But I don't know what mile 25 is like. And I'm not going to know unless I run a marathon. I can talk about marathons. I know all the words to use. You know, I can talk, you know, whatever. I can do all that stuff. But unless I've ran the marathon, I don't know what I'm talking about. We can say, oh, just go ahead and forgive. You know, I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to hold grudges and you know, and I'm going to blame people for my problems and, and, you know, but you should forgive people because that's what the Bible says. And it should be easy for you because you haven't gone through the things I've gone through. Guess what? we're all in the same boat. It's a battle and a fight for all of us, but you don't get to the truth because Knowing you should forgive does not set you free. Agreeing with the truth of God does not set you free. Knowing the truth in that Academic sense does not set you free, but the doing of it and knowing what it means to have to forgive and to fight through what that does in your heart, to see what that does with your interactions with people, to understand the security and the power that you can be in when you get to that place of forgiveness because there's nothing anything can do to crush anybody can do to crush your heart anymore because you've got strength in Christ and the darkness of this world is not going to overcome that. When you get to that place, you know some things that other people who just have heard you're supposed to forgive, but haven't fought the fight to get there are never going to know. They're not going to be free, but you're going to be free. Amen. Put it into practice and you will learn what the truth means. You'll get to hold on to it. If you don't put it into practice, you're either a fool or a hypocrite. And if that's you, that's okay. Just don't stay like that. (laughs) Amen. That's okay. Just don't stay like that. The blood of Christ is sufficient for you to just be like, oh, been a hypocrite for 40 years. I'll just not be anymore. Done. The blood of Christ is sufficient. These things describe you. That's okay. Just don't stay like that. Hypocrisy hurts the church. Knowing and doing brings us to freedom. Let's take all the blessings of knowing and doing. Give up on foolishness and hypocrisy. How about worshiping in spirit? Two options. We've got the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. right? So those are the two boxes when it comes to worshiping in Spirit. What do those mean? Well, let's look at fruit, Galatians 5, through 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. So if we're going to do our... EKG on our spiritual heart, you know, and put the stickers on us and show on the screen, then what we're looking for is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, Oops, gentleness, and self-control. Mix some stuff in there. And so, what is actually in there? The yes box is we've got those fruits of the Spirit. What are the gifts of the Spirit? Now, I should say, though, I don't believe this is an exhaustive list. You know, the logic people, they're like, these are the fruits of the Spirit. Now, this is just a list of types of fruits of the Spirit. Don't get super specific. There's other fruits of the Spirit. This is just a nice little list. And then the gifts of the Spirit. This list I know is not an exhaustive list because there's other lists of the gifts of the Spirit that are different than this list. So let's go to 1 Corinthians 12, read some verses here. Now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the spirit, the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. That means being able to see into the spirit realm and see like demons and angels and stuff. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another... The interpretation of tongues. Ah, getting into some stuff. All these are the work of one in the same spirit. And he gives them to each one just as he determines. So the fruit is this heart condition. And the gifts are power from God for both natural and supernatural things. But it includes supernatural things like miraculous powers. Wouldn't that be a helpful one to have? You know, uh, I've seen more than once outdoor Christian meetings where a huge storm is coming, breaks in half, goes around the meeting, comes together, and continues on. Happened last year at Wood City. It happened in Bemidji when we were doing a big tent revival thing uh, years ago. I, it's amazing. People get together and pray, and storms break in half. Does it always happen that way? Oh, I wish we could, you know, ah, sometimes you get rained out. You're like, ah, but that's neat when those miracles happen. I've seen miraculous healing. I've seen amazing things from God. So we've got fruit and gifts. They're different. So what God wants is yes, fruit. Yes, gifts. Our three other options are. Yes, fruit, no on gifts. No on fruit, yes on gifts. No on fruit, no on gifts. If we have yes, fruit, no gifts, what does that lead to? Really good people, but not a lot of power. right? You've got love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. It's a nice group to be in. Unless you're sick and you need miraculous healing. (laughs) Unless you need a prophetic word from God to guide you into the next stage of your life. Unless you really, really need a miracle. But that doesn't really hurt too many people, right? Because the fruit's there, even though the gifts aren't. What if you've got gifts but no fruit? You've got miraculous powers and prophecy and tongues and interpretation, which the the one I've asked God for is interpretation of tongues. You want to know why I want interpretation of tongues? Because then you can tell what's really going on. You know, like, is this just some person babbling nonsensically? Or is this truly a prophetic word from God in a language that I can't understand? I want to interpret it. Is that the right fruit in my heart for that? I I don't know. Maybe not. Right? (laughs) Right. So maybe if I get my heart right, he'll give me that ability. That'd be fantastic. But here's the deal. When you have the gifts of the spirit, but not the fruit of the spirit, it can become very bad because if you've got miraculous powers, but no love, no peace, the strife and yuckiness, no patience, none of the, if you don't have the fruits of the spirit, but you have the gifts of the spirit, it can get, Yucky. Now let's look at that from Matthew chapter 7. Boy, I better talk fast. Matthew chapter 7. Read verse 15 and then a few more verses. We'll just take little pieces of it. 715, watch out for false prophets. Why would Jesus say in the Sermon on the Mount, the greatest sermon ever preached, watch out for false prophets? Because there are false prophets and they will hurt you. So watch out for them. False prophets have gifts. Like prophecy, <laughs> because they're false prophets. But the fruit isn't there. Jump to verse 20. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. So Jesus is telling you, you're not going to recognize them by their giftings. You're going to recognize them by their fruit. And so it's not about, man, and life is so tough. <laughs> but he got his sippy cup. I've got mine too. He's sorry. I know. Kate is awesome. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. So are there people who profess to follow Christ who you know really don't? Is God going to see through that? Yeah, huh. He's real smart. He'll see through all this goofiness. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my father who is in heaven? Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Gifts are in operation. There's prophecy, there's miraculous powers, there's driving out demons. What happens if there's that without the fruit of the Spirit, without love, without joy, without peace, without patience, if it's harsh? And it's cruel and self serving, and people are still functioning in the gifts. This, maybe I should ask. So, can people function in the gifts but be separate from God in their heart? Yes. Just because the gift is in operation doesn't mean that they're right with God. That's what, because they'll use the gift to convince you I'm right with God. I'm a holy person because I'm operating in miraculous powers. Not necessarily there are false prophets. Verse 23. Then I will tell them plainly. I never knew you away from me. You evil doers. These are people doing evil who are prophesying, who are driving out demons, who are performing miracles. And yet they're doing evil. They're not motivated out of love. They're not people of joy. This is darkness. (sighs) Is it hard to spot a false prophet? Here's the thing that's a little dangerous with that is, did you know God will ask you to step out of your comfort zone? Kind of our nice phraseology in today's world. You got to get out of your comfort zone. God will ask you to step out of your comfort zone. There are fears that we must overcome in order to be able to walk into the fullness of God. However, if you slightly distort that, you can ignore the warnings of God rather than your personal fears. There are times where God will say, Watch out for that, they're crazy. And you think to yourself, I've got to step out of my comfort zone and overcome my fears. And so then you put yourself under the wrong teaching. That's a dangerous thing, but it's real close to overcoming your personal fears and walking into the things of God. You've got to be real savvy with that. You've got to be full of wisdom with regards to those sorts of things. Because I've seen that happen. Good people trying to go deeper with God And stepping out of their comfort zone, and then they they take their, you know, radar down. And they walk into bad environments. We want to be careful with that. So we want to worship in spirit, meaning have the fruits of the spirit, which obviously are much more important than the gifts of the spirit. Because if you've got fruit without gifts, people don't really get hurt. There's potential that's unmet. But if you've got gifts without fruit, the damage can be profound. That's where you get into false prophet territory. So how do we get good at this? I'm going to invite the prayer teams up. We're going to get good at this in the next 90 seconds. We're going to pray here in just a minute. It's not that hard. How do we get good at worshiping in truth? Well, it's simple. It's simple. Learn the principles of God and put them into practice. Simple discipline. Read the Bible. What does Jesus say we're supposed to do? Then do it. I don't want to do it. Do it anyway. Work through the process. You can grit your teeth and do it. So when it comes to the truth part, know the truth, obey the truth, know the truth, do the truth. That's a personal discipline situation. How about the things of the spirit? That's very different. You can't just grit your teeth and be a person of love. Like, I don't love anybody. The world is full of rotten people. Arrgh, now I love people. That's not how it works. So with the truth stuff, you can, by discipline, you can learn those things. How do we receive the things of the spirit? Two things. Real simple. Ask and abide ask and abide we have to ask and we have to spend time in the presence of god to receive the things of the spirit it's a different way luke 11 11 through 13 which of you fathers if your son asks for a fish will give him a snake instead or if he asks for an egg will give him a scorpion If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Who will give joy, the fruits of the Spirit. Riddled with anxiety and depression. Lord, give me joy. Help me to see how I'm supposed to get that. Ask. He wants to give you of his Holy Spirit. And then... Abide. John fifteen five. Jesus says, I'm the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Logic people, they learn the truth and then go do it. Okay, that's cool. But the spirit side is ask and stay in the presence of God. Then your heart begins to change. Then you start to access the power of God, but you have to be in the presence of God. Just abide in the vine. And so we ask and we abide. That's how we engage the things of the spirit versus the things of truth. So let me ask you this question. In order to avoid a one dimensional faith in God, what do you need? Do you need to know the truth better? Do you need to live out the truth that you know? Do you need the fruit of the spirit? Do you need gifts of the spirit? What do you need to add dimensions and depth to your faith? Let's ask God to give us that right now. And then I'll invite people up for individual prayer. Come up for individual prayer. You know, we've got like 15 minutes that you can pray. We can pray through the first song of the next service if necessary. We've got lots of time to pray. So, do that individually. Let's pray together first, and then I'll invite people up for individual personal prayer with our prayer teams. So Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace and mercy. And Lord, I pray right now you would reveal to us what do we need to add to our faith so that we can have the fullness of what you've got for us. Is it that we're unaware of your truth and we need to search the scriptures? Is it that we know lots about your word, but we're just not doing it? Is it that our hearts are tainted because of the darkness of this world and the fruit of your spirit is nowhere to be found? Is it that we really don't trust in your supernatural power and so we don't grab hold of the gifts of the spirit? What are we missing? What am I missing? Show us. And Lord, we ask you for what you've just shown us. Pour those things out upon us. We know you won't give us something bad. You'll give us something good. So give us those good things that we may walk in your ways. We may put an end to hypocrisy and false prophets and walk fully in who you are. Father, I pray a blessing over each person that's in this place. But I pray your peace would be in our hearts. Lord, that your joy would be our strength. And Lord, that we would be open to your love, to be loved by you and to receive the love you've got for us. Lord, so much that we would just be hit by it and that it would overflow over us and that we would have extra love to share with those in our lives that need some love from you. Lord, let us be able to share because we've received so much. Let it be. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.